Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. We're going to continue with our, with our journey in the second book of Corinthians. And if you haven't been with us for the past few weeks, hopefully the Holy Spirit will be the one to guide you and keep you um, engaged. And He'll be the one to tell you and still speak to you despite the fact that you missed the other, the other weeks. Last week we did speak about our love relationship with each other as much as our love relationship with the Lord. So tonight I entitled our message... By the power of God. Verse, <laughs> our main verse is uh, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians from uh, verses 1 to 6. And um, did, did you guys know, we'll start with this without any pictures to avoid distraction. Uh, did you guys know that um, Tesla, the electric car, the famous car now, right? The, the company that's causing all this traffic in our town. <laughs> It's them, right? The Tesla effect. The Tesla car, did you know, you probably know, that the battery is not a Tesla battery. It's a Panasonic battery, right? <laughs> so, do you know what the stolen Tesla is called? Edison. <laughs> if you don't know the history, Google it, why it's Edison. Okay. <laughs> It's weak, huh? I should have better jokes next. I'll try to have better jokes next week. Um, did you know that your Apple phone, if you have an iPhone, this is probably going to kick you in the behind. You have a Samsung battery. They're, they're moving away from that now. They're moving away from that now because Samsung wants to walk away from it. Now, Apple, the company Apple, has hired Amperex Technologies and Tianjin Lishan Battery, both Chinese companies, to make, to manufacture their batteries because Samsung walked away from that arrangement. <coughs> wow, right? So, <laughs> I told you it wasn't a smartphone. <laughs> and did you know that if you accepted Christ as your Lord, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And that's the power that you have to resist temptation, to move forward, to recognize what's true and what's not. It's, uh, so in your... All right, first verse. So in your Bibles, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples before he was going to be crucified. I, I will send him to you, speaking about the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and of judgment of sin. Because they do not believe in me. Of this world, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because of the ruler of this world is judged. Still have 
I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when, when he, again, speaking of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Jesus speaking of what the Holy Spirit's job will be and what the Holy Spirit will do for us. The Holy Spirit is the one that will show the truth. And his job is like a spotlight to who Jesus Christ is. Amen? In Jesus' earthly ministry, the Holy Spirit did not dwell in his followers, but selectively empowered them for specific acts of ministry. At the moment of Christ's ascension to the Father, the Father sent the Holy Spirit to serve as a constant presence and comforter and counselor for us, his people. So the question is, have you accepted Christ as your Lord? And if your answer is yes, do you know that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? It's the Holy Spirit that gives you that power to resist those temptations that you used to be weak against. Now the question is, if you know that, but you still fall, you still fall, because you're constantly just connected with the old man, of yours. You haven't connected to the new nature, the, the new creation. You are a new creation with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about in these next verses here as Paul will address the works of the Holy Spirit in his ministry. Let me move forward. <laughs> there, powered by the Holy Spirit. Every believer is powered by the Holy Spirit. Just like Tesla cars are powered by the Panasonic, car, Panasonic batteries. Just like your iPhones are currently powered by Samsung batteries. <laughs> Believers are powered by the Holy Spirit. Paul speaking, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. The new covenant ministry, which is we are all in, is glorious because of the certain triumph of Christ and the transforming work of the Spirit. But it is not without hardships. Physically, the demands of Paul's ministry sometimes seem too much for him to bear. No less excruciating were the spiritual demands brought on by those he served and those who opposed him. He reflected on these experiences in these passages and pointed to what sustained him, namely the power of God, which is the Holy Spirit. He says here, since we have this ministry, he, despite his flaws, despite Paul's flaws before, before all his faults against the, against the Christians, against the way, 
when he persecuted the, the Christians during his time, despite all of that, God still chose him. Correct? So the question now goes to you. When you keep disqualifying yourself, when God is calling you for a certain ministry, and you keep saying, why me, Lord? It can't be me. I'm not worthy. I'm not ready. Lord, you know how much error, how many mistakes I've committed in my life. Why choose me? Well, if those are your qualifications, you actually did meet the standard. Because the grace and mercy of God falls to you as much as it falls to Paul. When God, through his mercy, calls and commissions his servants, he also supplies the strength necessary for them, for us, to persevere in the face of hardship and persecution. The ministry of the new covenant was given to Paul in spite of his past because of God's grace and compassion on him. And that's the same thing that goes to us. That same mercy sustained Paul through the many painful episodes that marked his ministry. Remember, we tackled that in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-11. You will see what Paul went through. and enabled him to overcome feelings of despair. Thus he could write, we do not lose heart. Losing heart is also the same as giving up or quitting. In Luke 18.1, it is the same verb translated to lose heart. Though discouraged at times, the great apostle never quit. Now this is a charge to all of us who are serving him. For those of, of us here that are serving God in certain ministries that he has called us upon. You will not always feel like serving God. Amen? You will not always feel good. The people that you're actually serving will not always commend you or, or thank you even. Or appreciate you. You will feel like a doormat. You know what a doormat is, right? <laughs> you step on it, you clear things, all the dirt that you got outside, and you just step on that thing, and right? That's it. You will feel like a doormat. When you're serving God, you're going to feel like a doormat. So their emotions has nothing to do with you serving God. You have to get to that point, or else you will give up. You have to realize that if it is up to your strength, you will give up because your strength is not enough. Your power is not enough. You have no power. For you to do what God wants you to do, you need the Holy Spirit's power to sustain you to whatever it is that He has called you to do. This ministry, everything, my ministries, your ministries, it's going to be hard and it's tough. It's going to be discouraging. For those of you who have not responded to God's call yet because you think you don't qualify, look at Paul, who was called Saul prior to. Paul is saying, it is not me. In the other verses that you've seen, Paul kept saying, it is not us, but the power of the Holy Spirit through us. That's why we can serve God the way we can, the way we are. Paul never quit. I quit. <laughs> I quit many times. I was one of the biggest quitters in this church. <laughs> I started with the men's ministry. That got too tough. I went to the youth ministry. That was a mistake, so I quit that too. 
No, every time I quit, there was another person that was better. There was a better candidate. There was another person that was called for that ministry. And I was not about to make it about me to stay in that ministry. I saw a better, a more qualified person that was called for each ministry. That's why I left each ministry. The only ministry that, I, that nobody took over or that I didn't quit was the security ministry. I was just sitting out there. It was, uh, nobody even knew that it was a ministry. Some of our visitors were wondering what the heck I was doing outside while everybody was in here. It was an unsanctioned ministry. That was the one thing. It was so easy that I, I didn't want to leave it. I didn't want to be a pastor. <laughs> I, was, I was perfect there. I sat there. I wait for everybody to be done. I'll just make sure that everybody who wants to come in here and talk to the pastor while he's preaching, I'll just tell them, hey, can you wait? Can you wait later or can I help you with something? It was so much easier. And then God called me to be a pastor. <laughs> and without the Holy Spirit to sustain me, I would have quit this day one. Because not even a day, the church experienced a division. For those of you who were with us before. Not even one day in the job, I lost 40 people. <laughs> 40% of the set of the church you lost. Do you think you're going to be pumped up? I'm like, oh, yeah. I got it. I got this down. No. Discouragements will hit you. People will say things against you. That's what, what, what Paul is going through here. People are, people are saying, the false prophet, prophets that are in Corinth are saying that Paul is mishandling the Word of God, that he's, he's relaying um, incorrect messages, that he's using it for his own profit. So that's discouraging because the people that are there in Corinth should be the one to defend Paul, right? Because they knew who Paul is. They heard the message of God through Paul. Their lives have changed because of that message that they heard through Paul. But how come they're not defending Paul? One of the source of discouragement was the unstable state of affairs in Corinth. That was caused by the activity of false prophets in the church. And the passivity of the believers there. They were passive. They were not defending Paul. In the face of sharp accusations, Paul found it necessary to defend himself before people who should have trusted him implicitly, without a doubt. Why did he find himself needing to defend himself? Well, the people at Corinth should be the people that should be defending him. Some accuse him of using the gospel deceitfully to serve his own ends. Perhaps Paul had the collection in mind, you know, the money. It's always about the money. In response, he pointed to the openness and boldness which characterized his proclamation of the gospel. Unlike his opponents, he did not distort or falsify or water down the word of God so that people will be able to accept it. Paul gave it the way it was written, no matter how hard the truth was. Or is. And we try to do the same thing here. No matter how unpopular we get. If it's written down, that's what we're saying. If it's written down and you misinterpreted it incorrectly, we will tell you. With love, of course. Whether you like it or not. 
Most of the time, the truth hurts, right? Most of the time, we really don't want the truth. Did you hear that before? I think it was in a few good men. You don't, you don't want it. You can't handle the truth. That's the truth for us. We cannot handle it. Right? We ask God, Lord, how am I supposed to live my life for you? And he tells us, live a holy life. And then what do we say? Well, that's hard. <laughs> right? We say, we believe everything that you say, Lord. We believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. But I don't think about this part here, Lord. I think I can gamble, right? 20 bucks doesn't hurt me. I didn't borrow it from other people. I'm not hurting other people. It's only $20. Lord, I used to gamble $1,000. $20 is nothing, Lord. I'm just trying to spend some time here. Now, it's not about you losing $20 or $1,000. It's you losing your testimony, correct? And about that Jonah, there was this first grader, a girl. She goes to her teacher, who's an atheist, her science teacher. She goes, ma'am, do you know that Jonah was swallowed by a whale after her Sunday school? And the teacher goes, that's impossible. The whales, they have throats. They have this throat that, can, uh, that, is processed, that can process this little fish to be swallowed by them. So that of a size of a man is impossible for a, for a whale to swallow. So the girl, the girl was confused, but she goes, well, what if it's true? What if it's true, ma'am? And then the teacher goes, well, then you can ask Jonah if it's true when you die. It, then the girl goes, oh yeah, when I go to heaven, I'll ask him. And the teacher was so irritated because you know she's an atheist. There's no heaven or hell, right? And then what if she went to hell? And the little girl goes, then you can ask her. <laughs> we have answers. We have the truth in front of us. But sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes we don't want the truth. Continue with this. When the veil is not removed. If the good news we preach is hidden behind the veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see a lot of truths here. You see number one there, that there is there's a veil. A veil is, is, is intentionally to hide something. Right? So if you've tried to share the gospel before to someone and they don't accept it, and then you share it again to another person, you share the same verses, you share the same stories, you share the same testimony, but then they take it. And then you wonder, how come? How come? Because of this. There is a veil that the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that's the one that reveals the truth. Remember, we read it earlier in John. The Holy Spirit is the one that reveals your truth. And the truth is Jesus, right? It's the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the light. The light of the darkness. And you see here that Satan is the God of this world. It says here, of course, many people, as we know, particularly Jews, did not accept the gospel. To them it was veiled. 
But Paul would not change it to make it palatable or tolerable for them, as his opponents had done. The gospel was rejected by people who were unable and unwilling to accept it. The Greek word for veil is kalypto. It means to cover up or to hide, to cover. And we see here in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen? Do you remember that moment when you accepted Christ? Isn't that, that the weight that was on your shoulder was removed? Do you remember that? Or you didn't have that? I, I had to watch, huh? It was just me. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Everything, including the gospel, is spiritually discerned. People, that's why we can't kick the door down when we're sharing the gospel and you're trying to insist instead of knocking, because Jesus knocks, right? I am here knocking. If you open the door, I will have with you but us because we're frustrated because we love them so much we don't want to lose them we want to share the, we want them to accept Christ we kick the door down we're kicking it we're insisting we're being rude we're losing our love we're losing our focus we're taking it upon us that they will accept and understand something that's out of our power it's out of our power there is a veil they're being covered, and they're covered because they're also unwilling. God sees the hearts of men, correct? Even before you say a word, when you're praying to God, He already knows what you're going to ask Him. So this same goes with the gospel. And how about the, the, the part there when they disbelieved and were encouraged by Satan? Look at this. When the veil is not removed, we also saw that you belong, if you have not accepted Christ, you belong to the enemy. Ephesians 2.2, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God or the son of, sons of disobedience. Don't you wonder why the most successful people in this world are people that don't love God? Yes, there are people, there are believers that are highly, very, very successful in business-wise and financially and everything else. But mostly, the ones that don't love God are the ones that are prospering in this life. Do we agree? The things that are bad the bad businesses there are the flourishing things. When I was watching one of the news footages about the drug dealers in the Philippines, they were saying how much they were making a day. And I couldn't believe my ears. The drug dealers, the drug pushers, the drug lords, they make all the money in the world and we can barely make a dent. Right? Us who are making and doing the right thing, we can barely make a dent in what we owe. But the people that are doing the wrong things, they're flourishing. Because the person, the one that the power that is in control of 
the world right now is Satan. So don't think that, oh, well, let me go to his side first and I'll go to God's side later. <laughs> no, if you already accepted Christ, you used to live that life. It was hard for you to obey before. It was hard for us to obey. It was the right thing to do. Every weekend for me, my life before was if I did not get into a fight, if I did not get drunk, or if I didn't hook up with any girl, my weekend was a, was a bust. That was my weekend. That's what made my life, my life, a happy life. So I thought. But as I progressed, progressed in the sin, it became it's empty. My problems were still there. Once the buzz of the alcohol was gone, and you remember again what you're going through, your emotions are there again down in the gutter. Once your friends go home and you turn the lights off in your room and the deadening, the silence is deafening because all your problems hit you once again. And then you come to a point where you go, Lord, what am I to do? It's so hard for those people that we know that don't have Christ, that don't have the Holy Spirit, for anything that we tell them to make sense to them. A loved one, what, a person that I truly love, he calls the, you know, um, <laughs> so we're born again Christians, right? He calls it bored again. You're bored again because it's boring for him. Our life is boring for him. Your life consists of prayer meetings, Bible studies, and church. That's boring. What is that? <laughs> That's what they think. And we always eat, right? We always eat. But they don't know. But I find completeness in my life now so much better than it was before. I don't need loud music. I don't need many people around me. I don't need much. I just need my God, my Bible, and God's people. It's, it's different. But you have to be outside this. The veil has to be removed from you in order for you to understand what I just said. Satan, who though defeated by Christ, as you will read it in Hebrews 2.14, it reads here, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Christ has defeated the devil because of his death on the cross. Amen? For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Christ was the focus of Paul's message and the object of his concern. Contrary to his accusers who suggested otherwise, he labored to advance the cause of Christ for Jesus' sake. It has to be the same with us. Our concern should be Christ, whom we, we should be proclaiming Christ. We should be talking 
about Christ and what He has done in our lives. The focus of our message here is always what Jesus has done and what, what is behind that. We're teaching here, we just don't share the gospel. We also tell you how to live a holy life. I mean, not how to live, that you need to live a holy life. And then why you need to live a holy life. Not just enjoy you being saved, but we also tell you what Paul tells the entire church before. That they need to live a life that is worthy of the name that they carry. Amen? It's the same thing that Paul did here. It is not his own interest. Jesus was the crucified, Jesus was the crucified Christ and the resurrected Lord. Since Paul served Christ, he also served the church, Christ's body. It is in Ephesians 1, 22-23. It reads, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Everybody, our church is a representation of Christ. Individually, is the representation of Christ. If we serve each other, we are serving Christ through one another. If we're loving each other, we are loving Christ through one another. Amen? It's the same thing. It never changes. While serving the Corinthians, however unworthy they were, Paul was serving his Lord. That it's in Matthew 25, 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. So to my brothers and my sisters who are serving in this church, in the ministries that you are serving our Lord, if the people are frustrating you, don't do it for them. Do it for Christ. Amen? If you're being discouraged because the people are not giving you what you think you deserve, you know, like dinner or something, <laughs> or a pat on the back, you've lost focus. Do we agree? You've lost focus. It goes with our spouse. Whether you like it or not, it goes to our spouse and our children. Whether they, you think they deserve it or not, we need to love them because when we don't, we're not loving Christ. Amen? I told you it was hard. <laughs> I told you following Christ is not easy, right? It's impossible. The reason Paul served the church and openly proclaimed the gospel was because of God's work in his life. Much as in creating the world, God acted to bring light out of darkness. That's in Genesis 1, 2-4. So in spiritual creation, he brings light to the hearts of those in darkness. Amen? If you haven't experienced this, that means you haven't been reading your word. You haven't been reading your Bible. Or you still don't have your own Bible. Because before, I read the book of Revelation. When I wasn't a Christian yet, that was the book that was really targeting my heart and my curiosity. Because I didn't want the world to end just yet. I was only eight years old. I felt like it was not fair that I wasn't going to experience life the good life that I thought it was going to be. So I started reading the book of Revelation. And boy, did I drop that book so fast. It was so scary. Monsters here and there. 
And I was so engaged with those things. Anything that came out, any movie that came out that made uh, that was about the revel- end of the world, I was I was all over that. I was watching it. But none of it made sense the way it did when I finally accepted Christ as my Lord. And I read those that same book, those same verses, and it came and the understanding was different. Light was happened in a dark mind. It goes for everybody who has surrendered their lives to Christ. The verses that you used to read will, will be different. It will mean different to you. God will reveal it to you. The Holy Spirit will reveal the truth to you. And it will impact you differently. Just the same with Paul. Paul knew the scriptures better than anybody else. But Jesus came to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He was serving God in the wrong way. It didn't matter how sincere he was. It doesn't matter how sincere we are. Do you understand that? Your sincerity has nothing to do with anything. Let's just put it this way. You want to go to Disneyland, right? But you're going the wrong way. Because you had a different smartphone. (laughs) And the battery was... (laughs) And it was leading you somewhere else. It was bringing you down to the East Coast. It doesn't matter how sincere you are. I'm going to go to Disneyland in L.A. That's nothing to do. You're going to be lost. After four days, you're going to find out you're in New York. And you're then finally, hopefully, you're going to accept that you're lost. Your sincerity has nothing to do with anything. You could, because you can be sincerely wrong. Do we agree? For those of you who are, are practicing religions, and you are sincerely practicing your religion, without Christ... If you have not accepted Christ as your Lord, you are going south. And again, we don't mean Alabama. Going south, down there. I hope, I I wish I could say other, you know, say it differently, but I can't. Because it's in the Bible. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Only Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved, through faith. It's the gift of God, not of yourselves, so that no one may boast. If it's that clear, the veil is not removed yet. My prayer for those of you who have not accepted Christ, I pray that tonight that veil is removed. And I pray tonight that your heart will be ready and willing to accept the truth. That it is not because of you or your goodness that will take you to heaven. It is because of what Christ did on the cross. From darkness to light. Acts 26.18 To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. You see that? Without Christ, you are under the power of Satan. Unfortunately. Now you understand. Now I understood why it was so hard for me to resist. When I wanted to do good, it was was impossible. You know, there was this movie where he says, 
Whenever I try to get out, they pull me back in. There's no power because Satan owes, owns you, right? That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Speaking of Jesus. Only through Jesus. Amen? This had been Paul's experience on the Damascus Road. When a light from heaven flashed around him in Acts 9.3, confronted with the risen Lord, he became a new creation. Paul became a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creation. Amen? Question is, are you living the life of a new creation? Or are you still stuck in that old man? The light in believers' lives is the knowledge of God's salvation. A glory issuing from and seen in the face of Christ, reflected by Paul. It's the same with you. Remember, you are the epistles of Christ. We are the epistles of Christ. We are the reflection. We should be giving out His image. When people see us, they should see Christ in us. Unfortunately, we fall. Right? But praise God, Jesus did it all for us. He paid for all of it. 2 Corinthians 3.18 so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image, Jesus' image. This is when the veil is finally removed. The Holy Spirit enables us Enables us to reflect Jesus in our lives. Enables us, empowers us to do the things. <laughs> that was. So I put my alarm for 6.30 a.m. But it went for 6.30 p.m. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh Lord, help me. <laughs> when people were in the darkness of sin, they had no knowledge of God. Amen? That's what we see here. No experience of His life and salvation. There's no way. There's no way. Only when you have Christ, when you have the Holy Spirit, can you reflect and be changed into His glorious image. He is the one that empowers us. So stop doing it on your own. When you get, get to that prayer, Lord, I can't do this. And God says, finally, you finally got the point. Because you can't do it. Christian life is impossible. Amen? It's impossible. None of us can do it. Because if we can, Jesus would have not died on the cross. There's no other way. Because if there was, Jesus would have not died on the, on the cross. There is no other way. 
Just give it to Christ. Give it to God. And let the Holy Spirit in you work through you. Be willing and be obedient to what He's telling you to do. I almost did not use this. Because I feel like, you know, we were studying about 2 Corinthians, now I'm on patience. <laughs> but this is, when the veil is removed, there has to be change, there has to be change in us, right? And we have to be clear, we have to see it. Is it in the Bible? And so we're going to see it tonight. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking. Again, this is not about the Gentile believers. These are Gentiles that are unbelievers, okay? They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Again, the heart of an unbeliever will not accept anything that's from God. Amen? Only the Holy Spirit changes our heart. And from that point on, that's when we become sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to the moving, to the words, to God's leading. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with the regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I don't know if I even need to explain this because it's in plain English. Correct? Our ways, our way of life before we accepted Christ should not be the same anymore after we received Him. The greed that we used to have, the lustful desires that we used to have, should no longer be what we yield to because we will still feel it. The curse of sin, especially if you've done it, if you've tasted it, you know how it tastes and you know how it feels. And that's your curse. But the Holy Spirit that is in us gives us the power to resist that. Gives us the power and the wisdom to recognize, wait, listen, you've done this before and this is just going to lead you to trouble. Don't fall into this trap. That's if you are following God. That is, that, is, that is if you are okay and you're willing to obey Him. Paul had a sense of urgency in this part of his letter to the Ephesians and to us. <coughs> Ephesus at, this time, at that time was morally corrupt. And same with our world now, right? It's morally corrupt. I thought I turned it off. <laughs> Sorry. All right, let me just turn this off. <laughs> Whew. Ah, praise God, we are all saved by grace, right? <laughs> just like now, Ephesus was morally corrupt. The United States is morally corrupt. 
Correct? If you're saying no, just watch your TV. Okay? Watch your TV and when people are asking for money for dogs and they're making you cry and they're going to tell you, don't turn that channel. You see this lost puppy? They need help. Right? Have you seen that commercial? When they're trying to solicit money for dogs? And sadly, this same country has approved abortion to be legal. Oh, but let's not talk about dogs that way. How dare us abort a dog? But to abort a child, it's okay? That's morally corrupt. Do we agree? That's just one thing, and I don't want to get into the politics of it, but there. That's one, that's one of the things. And Ephesus was morally corrupt, and Paul wants these believers to understand that Christianity requires a revolutionary change in their lives. And same with us. There has to be a revolutionary change, a big change in our lives for us to affect the world. Believers, we have to be different from them. We are still in this world, but we cannot be part of the world. And we do that through our lives. We just don't do it with what we say. We do it with our lives. Christians can no longer live as they once lived. God calls us to a new and righteous lifestyle. Gentiles mean people who actively reject the knowledge of God, not Gentile believers in what we just read. Such people may consider themselves enlightened, and they may even be quite intelligent. But their separation from God makes their thinking unproductive and blind to the truth. I know a lot of smart people, successful people, that don't want God and don't want anything to do with God and laughs at me and tells me, why do I believe in fairy tales? It's the truth. It's sad. And these are, are good people. By our moral standard, by our own moral standard, away from the Bible, these are people. I think I've met some of those people that are better than some Christians. Because frankly, Christians, we're mean. We are mean. We are rude. Right? I'm just telling the truth here. Sometimes we are, we act as if we weren't forgiven. You do me wrong, I'll do you wronger. I know there's no word like that. It says here, Paul says that us believers should put off the old man, rejecting the former way of life and its corruption. Putting off is an action. Putting off. The one thing that we always do at my house is throw trash. There's always trash to be thrown. And once a week to be picked up seems to be not enough sometimes because there's just so many, too many trash to get rid of. It's the same thing with us believers. We need to always put that off, that old man, when we see it, when we recognize it, when, we, when it's engaged, we need to put it off. We need to literally, like, picture it, removing your old self. Oh, I can't be like this anymore because that's the old me. You need to remove that and put on the new man. Put on the new man, the new nature. There has to be an exercise that you do it. 
Because it's always going to appear. Trash will always come. Right? Your rage will appear. You just need to be driving and then you're rageful. You just need to be married and you're spiteful. You just need to have kids and you're always crazy. Right? You just need to, be, to have parents and you go nuts. Right? It's always an exercise. It's always going to be there. Where am I? The language here suggests a choice. Those who trust in Christ have been given a new position in His new creation, but they must daily choose to live His way. That's your free will. You have a free will to obey God or not. We believers can and should participate in the process of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. But ultimately, both the process and the outcome belong to God. Amen? I like that. Because if it were up to me, I know I'll screw up. He is the one who transforms people. Every believer can be assisted in the all-important work of being renewed in his or her mind. That's in Romans 12, 2. I think that's the right verse. And 2 Corinthians 4, 16. By practicing the spiritual disciplines. Are you ready? Bible study. What? Some people are saying, what? I go to church. Bible study? Yes, Bible study. Memorization of your verses. You know, when Jesus fought the, 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 the devil... And when he was being tempted, he always answered him, not with jokes, but with verses. Prayer, worship, service, and ministry. Some people think that you could just stay there and grow and not move. You're wrong. If you want to really experience God and what he wants for you, you need to be serving him. It's easier to move a moving uh, steer a moving car, correct, than one than the one that's parked. Try to move your steering wheel if it's parked. It's so hard. Try to maneuver it. It's not going to work. But if it's moving, it's so much easier. And that's the same with, with us. If we're moving for God, the Holy Spirit can steer us better than you being stagnant and just sitting, not doing anything. Witnessing and missions. Giving to God and church attendance. Oh, pastor has to say that. <laughs> no, it's part of it. Being at church is part of your growth. Coming to church, making that sacrifice. Leaving the comforts of your home. Not watching that game that you've been waiting for. That Super Bowl that you really wanted to see. Because our church is at 5.15, and Super Bowl starts at 5 o'clock. It's making that sacrifice and be giving God and making God your priority makes you mature in your faith. Amen? Amen. That's our message tonight. Hopefully, I didn't put you... Um, <laughs> I didn't put you to sleep because my alarm went off, right? <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Let's close in prayer.
Father, we thank you for your message tonight. We thank you for the reminder once again, Lord, that it is not of our strength or our weaknesses or our failures or our accomplishments that we can be of use by you in any way, but it's because of you choosing us and you enabling us, Lord. With the Holy Spirit that's in us, Lord God, we know that we can resist temptation. We know that we can grow in our relationship with you so long as we are willing. So Father, I pray for the hearts of everyone here tonight. I pray that we will all be willing to obey you, Father. I pray that we will all be craving you. That we will all be wanting to grow with our relationship with you. That we want to change. Not so that we will look good, but that our testimony will not be ruined. And that people will see your image in our lives, Lord. And hopefully, Lord God, with that, we will bring people. We can bring people to you. And they too will have the gift of salvation that we have and enjoy. Father, you bless those people who are serving you are continuously relying on you. Bless them, Lord, those who are serving you, Father, especially those who are, are not being um, appreciated. Father, I pray that you bless them. I pray that you strengthen them. Those who are discouraged, Lord God, I pray that you encourage them. Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters who still yet to answer your call. I pray that tonight's message, Lord God, that you spoke to them and that they will be brought to that next level of obedience in their lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life. <laughs>